Well, good morning. Um, welcome to City Harvest. If you missed when Tamar welcomed you here at the beginning, just want you to know you missed an amazing beginning. And um, yeah, it was good. Uh, my name is Peter. I'm the lead pastor here at City Harvest. And I just want you to know that I am glad you're here today. We like to say that we don't believe that it's ever a mistake that each one of us are here. That there is a reason, regardless of what got you to come, regardless of who pulled you to come, or anything like that, that there is a reason you're here. And I believe that that's already been taking place, and we're just going to continue in celebrating God's goodness and allowing him to continue to change our lives. Uh, on changing lives, this coming up Thursday through Saturday is um, a second part, basically, of what we've done with our youth for summer camp this year. Uh, the first part was they spent a week at Camp Attitude, working with kids with different abilities and being buddied up to them or their siblings and just showing them love, encouragement, and just pouring into them. And the hope with that was that our students would see life and see humanity and see the person within something that maybe looks different or maybe it looks uncomfortable or looks scary so that one, they could love on those students, but also so that as they go back to school this fall, that they have a new awareness of how God works in different people. And if they're walking down the hall with their friends, they're hopefully a little more likely to stop and acknowledge the person that others are just walking by. Doesn't mean they can't have a friend group, doesn't mean they can't be buddies, but it means that hopefully their eyes aren't so fixated on that that they don't see this. And believing that that was something that was gonna take place in our high schoolers and middle schoolers. The second part of camp for this summer is coming up this Thursday through Saturday. It's called the Back to School Commissioning. And the whole idea is exactly what the words say. They're going back to school and we wanna commission them into it. So they're gonna be encouraged, they're gonna be prayed over, they're gonna be equipped. And the whole idea is that they don't just kinda of casually go back to school, that going back to school isn't just about a new haircut and new clothes. Uh, but back to school isn't just about being nervous of maybe if it's the first time they've been there or getting back into sports, whatever it might be, but commissioned as a middle schooler and a high schooler that they are Jesus's hands and feet and it's not an accident they're in the school they're in. The news might say and people might say that their school is scary and that it has a lot of bad things that happen to it. Guess what? So does our neighborhoods, so does our families. There's a whole bunch of things like that. People need Jesus and we wanna commission them to do that. So if you have a middle schooler or high schooler, I wanna encourage you to get them signed up. Also, we wanna make it where everyone can go and for something like this, we never want finances to be um, a hindrance for that. And so we do this every year where we do camp ships. That means we ask people to sponsor um, different families, different students to be able to go. Um, and we do it very publicly. It's not a secret thing. This is one time where we actually get out and we raise our hands and we say, yes, I'll do that. So camp costs $125 and uh, we need to get some camp ships. And so if you are willing to cover one camp ship, so that'd be $125 worth. Um, and the way you would do that is you would go either onto the Realm or onto Church Center. And there is a line item there that just says youth, 
summer camp ships and you go to there and you enter the amount and you give money to that. So if you're willing to sponsor a youth to go, a full coverage for a youth to go, will you raise your hand? And uh, let's see, one. Sorry, Zach, your son raised his hand. This is like Bob did. It, it's up. It's already sold. You got to buy it. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Can we thank them very much for that? Now, we trust their honor system that they're actually going to do it, that they didn't just raise their hand for the applause. Um, if you're able to give a half, well, it's not, I, I guess we can't really totally divide $125 in half, so we'll just say 50 and 12. We'll go 62.50, I guess we can. Is that right? 62.50? Um, if you're willing to give $62.50 and you even want to just bless a little more and you want to go $62.51, will you raise your hand if you're able to give a half scholarship? Anybody in the room for a half scholarship? We got a couple. Okay, thank you. Let's thank them very much. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And if you can't give those amounts and you can give $5, do that. I'm just not going to keep going down the thing. We got other things we got to do here. God has big plans for us today. So if you're willing to give to that, we appreciate it. I really believe in, in next Sunday, um, we're gonna, part of the service we're gonna do is we're actually gonna pray over our students. Those that are going into elementary school, those that are going into middle school, those that are going into high school. And also we're gonna pray over any teachers or anybody that works with schools, even the hardworking homeschooling parents. And uh, we wanna pray for God's wisdom, God's wisdom on teachers and also God's wisdom on students and believe that as that sign says, his kingdom is gonna come and his will is gonna be done in and through our students this year. Okay, awesome. Well, we are in the book of James. Uh, why the book of James is because we started going through Acts and to kind of remind ourselves of what God did in the early church. And um, as Bob mentioned two weeks ago in his introduction to the book of James, is it's believed that James was written either right before Galatians. Most people would say it was right before Galatians. Some people would say it's at the same exact time we're going with it was right before Galatians. And that's why we're going into James, is that this was a letter written to the early church. Um, basically, somewhere around, let's just say, 30 to 40 years, uh, think of it in that scheme of things, um, after Jesus' death. Now, we as a church are going on 26 years. We're going to have our 26th birthday here in about a week and a half uh, as, as a church. Yep, happy birthday to City Harvest. Awesome. Uh, but if you think about it, that it's about that much time. And if you think of even in the history of, in the time span, how you can set out with a vision, and even as Bob and Sue planted City Harvest with a team of people, and there was a vision of what they felt God was calling them to, why to plant the church. But even within that, there had to be very intentional things to bring us back onto course. Because human nature is we get off course a little bit. We get distracted by things. We get worried by things. Um, people come in and kind of, they can kind of get you caught up on a different vision. And you always got to get back to center. And we're exactly the same way. And that's what was happening when James is writing this letter to the early church, is he's saying, hey, we've kind of gone off course. We gotta, we gotta come back to this and to find a truth in that. So that's why we're looking at it. And, and I want us to, my encouragement is, 
is that as we look at this, that we don't just look at it as a book within this larger book we call the Bible. And we don't just look at it as a letter that was written a long time ago. But you know, God, this is, we call it the living word. By living, we mean that it's still alive. It's not the dead word, meaning that it once lived, and now we read it historically, but it's living because it's still alive, meaning the words still have truth, the words still have meaning, and the words are still there to edify you and I. There's things that we're supposed to still glean on those words, so the words are living. So for us to actually look at this letter that James wrote as a letter to us, City Harvest. So the portion of scripture we're going to read, I've asked Tamar to come up and read it. I just, James wrote us a letter. And um, so we're going to, yeah, do you mind having your mic? And uh, here you go. Yeah, let's see what James has to say. So suspenseful. What is he going to say this week? My dearest brothers and sisters of City Harvest, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And be slow to become angry. For human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purposes. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all that they do. If someone believes that they have a relationship with God but fails to guard his words, then his heart is drifting away and his religion is shallow and empty. True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father, God, is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and widows in their troubles and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. So Lord, this morning... I ask that you would open up these words to us, that um, you would make them come alive in a new way, that we would hear something new as we look at this portion of scripture, that um, Holy Spirit, you would come and bring conviction, not condemnation, not to beat anybody, any of us in this room up, but to help us get ourselves back on track, to show us where we're a little off the course that you want us to be on. 
And God, that we would not just be hearers where we can hear it, but that we would live it out. Lord, that we would be doers of your word, that we would put things to practice. We would do the hard work of actually dealing with things inside of us, our selfish nature, to become more like you. Not forgetting at a quick glance of who you say we are and what you've called us to and then forgetting as we walk away. But Lord, meditating on it, dwelling on it. Lord, and allowing your word to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we are reading James chapter one, verse 19 through 27. And um, three things for us to consider as we look at the book of James, and we'll, these are kind of some of the main points, is for you to think of as we go through this. One, how would your life, that's each one of us in the room, how would your life look different if you not only heard the words of James, but you actually put them into practice. So as we hear the words, let's not just think of them as that would be a neat idea, or the person next to me could sure use a little bit more of that verse, but how would each of our personal lives look different if we actually put them into practice? How would City Harvest, as a family, as a church family, how would we look different if we not only heard the truth of this book, but then put it into practice? Where we, as a church family, actually live it out. Last one, what would God do in us and through us if we were collectively transformed by this truth? I don't believe that this is just another sermon series. I don't believe that this is just an accident that we started in Acts and now we're in James and we're just kind of going along step by step and it's just part of the thing. I believe this is a prophetic message to us today because I believe that God wants to do something amazing in and through us as individuals but also as a church. I believe his, he wants his kingdom to come. He wants his will to be done in and through us. But there are things he wants to change inside of each one of us, in us as a church family. And I believe this book is full of those things. So I ask that we, let's, let's get a little bit, um, uh, let's imagine, what would it look like? Like actually really start to think about, man, how impactful could this be in our own lives? How would it change in our families? How would it change in our workplace? How would it change in our church family? What would this do for then when people come to taste and see that God is good, what would they encounter? So we're gonna start here in verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We could just stop there for the next year. Okay, uh, how many of you, I was gonna try not to do that this time. If you're like me, that is really difficult. It is hard. I, I have had so many things this week. Sometimes I don't like when I know what I'm gonna preach about because I know that God is gonna take me through it over and over and he makes me so aware of it. But so many times this week where I wanted to be quick to speak, it wasn't because I didn't, shut my mouth because I had no words to say or I didn't have an opinion or I didn't believe that, that I, I had the right to say something. We pull back. We are quick to listen. 
We're slow to speak and we're slow to get angry. These three go hand in hand together very well. They work together very well. A lot of times when you and I get angry, the reason we're angry is, is because we actually haven't done the other ones. If we will actually slow down and be slow to listen, we understand what other people are saying more. We give them the benefit of the doubt. If we're slow and so we're quick to listen, if we're slow to speak, to, to get our point across, each one of us believes our point is the right point. Come on, who's with me on that one? That one's worth raising your hand on. Come on. But God wants to change something in us when we realize we're not building our kingdom, but we're building his kingdom. When I'm building my kingdom, it's time to talk. I got things to say. I got things to do. I got opinions to, 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 to share. When we're building God's kingdom, there's a slowing down there and really allowing God to come and bring change. Verse 20 through 21, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God deserves. Now, this is something that I have lived out, not on the good side, on the bad side. I mean, I have absolutely, I got so many examples of this, but human anger is selfish. It's not seeing something injustice taking place out on the street and having something rise up within you that you are gonna protect someone. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the kind of anger that rises up when we don't feel like we're being heard. We don't feel like people understand what we're saying when we're not getting our own way. So I'm gonna tell you a couple stories, um, very embarrassing stories. Uh, when I was, I think, 23, Tamar and I are engaged. We're at my older brother's house and we're wedding planning and my mom's there as well. And um, uh, somewhere in the night, I didn't feel like Tamar was listening to me. Um, and my feelings got hurt, to say it lightly. And so we got in the car and we're driving uh, down the road near WSU and down 29th. And to the left of me is a whole bunch of the big field. And in the middle of that drive, as we approached that part, I really didn't feel like she was listening to me. So what went through my head was a really novel idea that was gonna help her understand how I was hurting. So I stopped the car in the middle of the road, put it in park, opened the door. It's probably around 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. It's pitch dark outside. And I get out, walk across the, the oncoming lane and walk over the wood fence and go deep enough into the grass. It was long, they hadn't cut it yet. And, um, and laid down. And... Um, <laughs> In my mind, Tamar was going to get out of the car and be like, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you're right. I wasn't listening. And I'm so sorry. And that then she was going to find me. And then there would be this reconnection. And But you know what? That's not what happened. So what happened was she got out of the car. And she's like, Peter, what are you doing? Where are you? And what then went through my head wasn't, oh, she's coming to meet with me. What went through my head is, what in the world are you doing laying in the grass? And then how do you get yourself out of this situation? You can't just stand up and say, pick a boo, here I am. Or, you know, it's not hide and go seek. Now you got to figure out how to play this thing out. You got to stand your ground. So I stayed there laying. 
not only, so now my car's parked in the middle of the road, but this isn't just me and my fiance. My stinking mother is in the car. And now she knows me, she raised me. So for 24 years, she wasn't probably shocked by this. She's like, girl, I told you he was like this. You still got time to change your mind. But that's human anger setting in because we have hard feelings. Human anger looked like in the early years of our marriage. If, if, we didn't, if I didn't feel like I was being heard, I, I maybe would break a plate. Or I put my fist through walls. I did a lot of things, some things I'm not even going to mention right now. Why? Because I thought that I wasn't being heard. And I thought I wasn't being listened to. And so I thought if I went and did this action, somehow it would cause the other person to then want to hear me out. My anger was pure selfishness. It was me reacting in my own to protect myself. I once in a staff meeting was bothered and got up, said a couple words and left the staff meeting and 30 minutes later, I get a call from Bob, you got to come back. And you got to, and then a couple years later, there was some intense stuff going on here. And I was in an elders meeting and I didn't like the way it was going. And so again, I stood up, said some words and walked out. It doesn't produce anything good. Okay. I can tell you from my own experience, I've done the whole gamut. I've given you just a quick window of my life. But human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God is looking for. Here's the problem with it is because it's building my kingdom. What was I trying to protect was my kingdom. I wanted Tamar to hear my kingdom. I wasn't focused on his kingdom. I wasn't focused on peace. I was focused on what can I do it was the dumbest thing in the world. I, well, I, I guess I don't got to convince you of that. You guys are all with me. You're like, yeah, <laughs> you don't, Pete, you still don't realize how dumb it was. My hope was that I would get her to come to my kingdom. But I was, my focus is on the wrong thing. You and I aren't here to build our own kingdom. We're here to build his kingdom. So we're here to demonstrate his righteousness. So human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. That's our selfishness. That's those things we gotta, we gotta purge ourselves of it. We don't just say, ah, this is just kind of who I am. No, it's not who we are. Let's, let's actively go and push that aside and humbly accept the word, of, the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save our souls. He has called us to his table. That's the word. Salvation. He has saved us. That's the word. So we have a truth in us. There is an anchor in our soul. And we have to humbly accept it. Humility comes in because it is something that we don't always see it. We can't always feel it. It's not always tangible, but God is drawing us into it. Verse 22 through 24. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. What's that saying? We don't just listen. We gotta do it. We're fooling ourselves if we think we can come, you know, the... 
don't know, people used to always say when I was growing up, just because, you know, um, you stand in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. So just because you come to church or you go to a small group or you, you do outreaches, that doesn't mean you're a disciple of Jesus. We have to allow ourselves to be changed to become disciples. But he's calling every single one of us. If you're in this room, I want you to know that Jesus is calling you to follow him. Not just to believe in him for your own salvation, but to follow him by walking with him. To hear what he says, allow it to transform your life so that then you can go out and you can reflect it to others. He's calling every single one of us to that. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. Now, I have to, again there, I've actually done that many times. I forget a lot of things. I forget people's names. I forget a lot of stuff. God wants us, though, to, part of this is, is we gotta focus we got to spend time being with God. We're going to go into this a little bit more here in about two weeks, but really focusing on doing and, and stepping out and putting our faith into practice where it's not just something that comes out of our mouth in a statement, and it's not, but it's something that we're living. Really, it needs to be where someone is watching us and they can, they, I remember in high school, you know, they used to say, if, yeah, could, would you be accused of being, could you be proven guilty, like accused and proven guilty of being a Christian? Does your life reflect Jesus to the extent where there would be proof, where someone could try you in a court and prove that you really are a disciple of Jesus? Verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We gotta study, we gotta meditate. We gotta remember that this book is not just a book of rules. Are there guidelines in it? Yes. But these guidelines, many times we can look at them as things that keep us from experiencing life or keep us from doing what we want to do but they're actually there to give us life. The more I follow them, the more life comes up in me. But I'll be honest, there are many times where I don't wanna follow them because they seem like they're keeping me from something, but actually in it, there actually is life. There's freedom that is found in it. As I learn to give my anger and my frustration to God, there's freedom in it. My relationship with my wife is way better today than it was years ago because of letting go of those things. There's freedom in that. Now, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have let go of them and I would still be trying to prove how I feel and still trying to do things in that way. We study the word, we meditate on it. We engage all of our senses. We allow it to come in and, and really change us. We don't just see it as something to read. We don't just see it as something that we preach or we listen to or as a book that looks really nice on our nightstand or 
it's not for that purpose. It's so that it can come in and change our lives. Verse 26, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, ouch. Let's read that. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Man, I believe this is so true. And I think all of us can think of other people right now, probably there's a good chance that when I read that sentence that other people's faces flashed in your mind. I want us to get a mirror out and look at ourselves. God wants us to control our tongue. And it's so easy to change things about our life. We, we, we join a community group. We come on a Sunday like this, say three times a week. We give of our tithes and offerings. We, we, we participate in things. We maybe even raise our hand and give a good old camp ship. We, we read the Bible. We might even teach a class. We might even host a group. But if we can't control our tongue, because the tongue is actually revealing what's going on inside of us. But there can be so much gossip there can be so much slander. There can be so much accusation. There's so many things that come out of our mouth, whether it be insecurity, what words of that just do not bring life, that put a burden on someone else that don't need to be said. God wants our words to edify him. He wants our words to reflect who he is, control our tongue. Don't worry, we're gonna do a lot more of that one here in a couple weeks as well, okay? Verse 27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. We're gonna look at this one a little bit more next week. You know, God has called I believe us as a church to be passionate, not just have a little side gig, but to be passionate about going after the disenfranchised. Going after, in, in, in scripture, it talks about the widows and the orphans. What did the widows and the orphans represent in, in the day that this was written? They represent people that were helpless, people that many times were outcasts, people that many times were cast out, and, and they, were, they were disenfranchised and they, they couldn't do anything for themselves to help them. God wants us to bring people like that in to taste and see that he is good, to say, you know what? There is a seat at the table for you. You've maybe been abandoned. You've maybe made some bad choices. Something terrible could have happened to you but I want you to know that you can come and this chair has been pulled out for you to come and sit with Jesus at his table to dwell with him, to be with him, to allow him, as the song said, to change your name, to put a new banner over you that says accepted, a new banner over you that says loved, a new banner over you that, 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 that says son or daughter. He's calling us in. But what he wants to do is he wants to challenge 
I believe each one of us individually, but us as a church, to put more focus on the disenfranchised of our city. There are people all over our city that are broken. We can look at them and throw stones because we don't agree with their life. And I went to, this last week, I, uh, or last weekend, I went to a car wreck. No, no, I was pressure washing our patio. This app I have on my phone called Pulse Point goes off saying that there's somebody within a mile that needs CPR. I look at the address, realize it's only a couple blocks away. I jump in my car, I drive down there, it takes me a minute. Oh, first I had to wash the dirt off my feet because I look terrible and that person did not want me doing CPR looking dirty like that. Um, as I get there, the, the truck, I thought the, the nearest fire engine would still be, but they were already downtown, so they were just walking up to the person. It was someone who had OD'd on fentanyl and was driving down a, a hill and clipped a car and then crashed into like a barrier. Um, the passenger gets out and, and gives them a couple nasal sprays. They start doing, but really wasn't cardiac arrest, bring them back. This other person from a business is, comes out and um, I started just kind of helping with traffic control, realized there wasn't you know, a need for me in, in a medical sense and was standing there and he comes over and he's like, what are they gonna do? They just, they're just gonna bring them back to life? Like, is that what we're gonna do? We're just gonna bring these people back to life? Like, that's the problem with our country is we bring them like, we just need to let them die. He deserves to die. You know, and I thought, I, I understand the frustration. We got, we got ourselves an issue. Politically, we got ourselves an issue. And with the whole, the thing with drugs, we got issues with it. But here's the deal. God is a God of life. We can't on one hand say that we believe in life when it comes to the womb, but we don't believe in life when it comes to somebody that's struggling with drug addiction. You and I have no clue at all what took place in that guy's life. What led him to a place of desperation? It could be a terrible attitude. It could be that he is making evil choices, absolutely. But that is not ours to judge. Our job is to bring life to those that need life. Our job is to say to the person that everyone else is saying, no, our doors are closed. No, there is no seat. Seat taken. You can't come in. And to say, no, you are welcome here. Come with your mess. Come with your dirt. Come with your filth. Because we have a God that said, come to me and you, and therefore we, won't want, we want to say, you can come too. Because I'm sitting here and I'm excited to have someone else come to the table. I'm not trying to hog it because I know that there is plenty. There is more than enough. He's calling us to come in. I want to encourage you. Man, this has been one of my greatest fears to talk about money. But you know what? There is something that takes place when we give. Throughout scripture, you see where God called us to, to take on an initiative on our own, to be people that blessed our neighbors and to bless our families. But he also called us as Christians to give to the church, to give to the community that he planted us in so that also as a family collectively, we can make a greater impact to our city. It requires both things requires us to love on people personally, but it also requires us to do it together. You know what? We're trying as our, with our church budget to live in the same way that we see each one of us should live personally. We give 10% of the budget to global missions, to extension ministries, things that don't benefit us. We give out to it. 
We want to give another 10% right off the top to outreach. That means to bless our community and to pour in. And we want to learn to function on the 80%. Man, I believe if we can get to that place, and we are so close, but it takes each one of us also believing the same thing with our own personal finances. That we see that we give a percentage off the top to God into the church to something that we're not controlling and we trust him with it. It doesn't make sense. But he says it's his way and he provides a way. And then we also go, yes. You guys feeling it? Let's pass the baskets. But we also give to our neighbors and we give to, no, you can keep going. It was really nice. I was feeling it. Just so you know, I tell them when they're supposed to come up whether I'm ready or not. So this isn't them being disrespectful. They're doing exactly what they're, they're asked to do. It helps me know where I am in the service. I wanna ask you to pray about your giving and to ask God, not just to look at a piece of paper and say what makes sense. But for you, and I also don't want you just to go off a compulsion of what I say. I ask that you pray. And you say, Lord, have you called me to the city harvest? Have you called me to be part of this place? Have you called me to be planted here? That come, whatever's taking place, I I know I'm called to be planted here. I don't just walk away when it gets difficult. Because God, I know there's something you want to do in and through me at this place. You've called me to receive from those people around me and you've called me to be one that gives to those people around me. But Lord, in that, will you show me, will you stretch me on how to give? How to give of my finances, how to give of my resources, how to give of my love and my grace. To not see anything that I have is something that I own but to see it as yours, God, that I would live for you. We would care for the disenfranchised in their distress, and we wouldn't let the world corrupt us. We wouldn't let the world's view. We talk about kingdom and culture. We want the kingdom of God. We wanna get rid of the culture within us because we wanna reflect Jesus. The ushers would come forward and begin to place the elements on the tables. We're gonna go into a time of communion. The team's gonna sing a song, and if you know the song, you can sing along with it, but we're not gonna put up the words. We're gonna begin to put up the question to consider. This is what I want us to reflect on today. That as you come up, you get the cracker that represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. His body was broken so that your life would be made whole. Again, it doesn't make sense. His life broken, your life made whole. You come up to get the cup that represents his shed blood. His blood was shed so that you would have life. So you could have an eternal blood transfusion to experience his life. But as you come up for that, that you ask Holy Spirit to reveal, are you a good listener that struggles to do Or maybe, are you a good doer that struggles to listen? What's that last one mean? Some of us are really good at jumping forward in doing, but we didn't slow down to actually ask God for wisdom, ask God for his guidance, 
ask Holy Spirit to direct us, we run ahead and do it. Others of us have so much knowledge. We've been in so many services. We've podcast so many messages. We've done so many things, gone on so many trips. Man, we can share until, I mean, we can just keep talking and talking like I am right now. But you know what? We struggle to get up and do because it's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's challenging. It's not easy. It's a sacrifice. But man, I believe that God, when I said I believe this is a prophetic word for us, I believe this is what God is calling us to. And he's calling us to be more like him. This isn't just a cute book. And these aren't just good religious words to give someone like me something to talk about. He wants to transform our lives. He wants to change us from the inside out, individually and collectively, so that we can go and be his hands and feet. And we can begin to see people's lives changed, see people's lives transformed, and to see people experience the same love of Jesus that you and I have experienced. So will you stand to your feet? And as we go into this song, the ushers are gonna release you row by row here in a minute. And will you, um, as you come up, will you just dwell on this and ask Holy Spirit to show you, where is it where you've been listening but you haven't done? Where you're holding back? Or where is it where you're doing, but you're doing it in your own strength and you're not asking Holy Spirit? What is it in even the words that we read today out of James? But allow Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then once everybody has it, we're gonna take it together. So just, you'll go, you'll come forward, you'll grab it, you'll go back to your seat and then we'll take it together.